0: Is my 20th season scouting now, and the word toughness has a different meaning for me from 20 years ago to, to today. Uh, toughness back 20 years ago was mean, uh, chop, will fight, will, will, like you say, put a little bit of fear into somebody. Huh. Toughness now is will he go to the net, will he, will he take a little bit of a pounding, the bang, and a rebound, will he? Will he put his you know, body on the line to block that shot? Um yeah, the, the word toughness has, has definitely changed uh for me since I've started scouting and the and saying that the, the game of hockey in the last 20 years is I mean, it's not the same game that I was I was scouting 20 years ago as as I'm scouting today. That was Dennis Holland,
1: amateur scout for the Dallas Stars. And you are listening to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Panolin. this is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Up My Hockey with Jason and I am Jason Padolin, your host, and today I'm actually recording this intro almost two weeks after my interview with, um, with Mr. Holland. So, we had this conversation just before the break, uh, meant to get it out to you before that, but as the holidays go with three kids and being a hockey coach, it was a little bit crazy. So here I am on December 27th, I believe, recording uh, the introduction for this really, really solid interview with uh, with Dennis Holland. Dennis is an amateur scout for uh, for the Dallas Stars. Now, for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with what you know amateur actually means, that means that Dennis is responsible for finding the best 17-year-olds coming 18-year-old hockey players in Western Canada. That is his region that he's responsible for. And, uh, and he goes around to the arenas and he watches these 17-year-old players in these different leagues, whether it be the BCHL or whether it be the USHL or the um, AJHL or the WHL, and, uh, and he finds these players. So he's not looking necessarily at players who have already been drafted. That's not his thing. He's not looking um, for any of the pro leagues. He's not going to Canucks games. He's watching young men um, that he is trying to find prospects for the Dallas Stars. That's his job. And I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are either players or parents who, uh, who have aspiring players that want to be drafted uh, or want to impress a scout or who want to get noticed and move on to bigger and brighter things. So this episode is phenomenal. Anytime you have a chance to talk to a scout... Uh, someone who's in the stands watching these players, what they're looking for for them as uh, athletes, what we're looking for as far as uh, from the person, from the character standpoint. I think it's a great opportunity to be all ears. Uh, Dennis has been doing this for 20 years. Uh, he's been in the game for a long time. He was a player himself and a very, very uh, recognized and awarded player Um he played in the Vernon for the Vernon Lakers, a BCHL team at 16, where he had over 100 points as a 16-year-old, or maybe even even as a 15-year-old. Then he went to Portland, and um, and had an amazing WHL career. Put up 82 goals one year, 82 goals, 85 assists for 167 points. Um, led the entire WHL in scoring. Uh, he was drafted uh, the year before uh, in the third round, which today would be the second round, 52nd overall. Uh, to the Detroit Red Wings, so he was a heck of a player himself. had a, had a long pro career, didn't get to the NHL. Uh, we did talk about that and why uh, why that may or may not have happened. Uh, but uh, Dennis is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, his older brother Ken is the uh, general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, so a hockey family through and through. And uh, to have an opportunity to spend an hour uh, with somebody of uh, you know Dennis's skill set, um, who who gets paid. Uh, to identify talent, skill, the intangibles required to make the next level is uh, what was, uh, was an amazing opportunity for me and for all of you who are listening. So immense gratitude to, uh, to Mr. Dennis Holland uh, for taking the time with us here today. Uh, lots of fantastic takeaways as usual, um, but I'll leave it to you to pick out which ones are the takeaways that mean the most to you, and let's get right into the episode. Uh, and hear the episode here at episode 77 with the Amateur Scout of the Dallas Stars. Dennis Holland. Right, here we are. Welcome back to another episode of Up My Hockey. Uh, today, I have on Dallas Stars amateur scout, uh, Dennis Holland. Uh, Dennis, thanks so much for being here today.
0: You're welcome. No, I'm glad to be here and uh, excited to may talk with you and see what uh, where we go with this. Yeah, let's talk a
1: little hockey, right? Talk a little hockey. Uh, I know from a player standpoint, uh, you know, there's scouts in the crowd. I mean, it's, it's always an interesting thing, especially going up from the junior ranks. Um, back when I was going through and back when you were going through, there wasn't there wasn't really much idea of like what scouts were necessarily even looking for. You know, we, we assumed they were looking for goals and assists and uh, everyone was trying to get their name in the score sheet. And I know for me uh, now, I mean, looking back, I mean, that's there. There is there is some truth to that, but there's also a lot of, of falsity in that as well. Um can you maybe – maybe we'll just start there, actually, just with a message to young players right off the bat is, like, when they're focused on this results of getting their name in the score sheet, it, should that be the end-all and be-all for these 17-year-old players that are wanting to get uh, noticed by by scouts like yourself?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. If, you. if you're putting points on the board, obviously you're doing something right and, and uh, you're getting the opportunity. I mean, I, I think the game has changed a lot in the last – I don't know, 10, 15 years, whatever points are mostly generated on the power play nowadays. I mean, it's tough to generate a lot of five on five opportunities, goal scoring. Um, And, you know, we're talking about drafting. We talk about even in the Bantam draft, you're talking about the young kid playing with older kids, maybe not getting an opportunity. I mean, for what I do, I'm watching a 17 year old kid possibly just coming into the Western Hockey League or just coming into the BC Junior Hockey League maybe not getting that opportunity on the power play that they've had for 10 years in minor hockey. And now how do you keep the positive and you're like, I'm only going to get seen if I get points. Well, that's the, that's sort of the rub. I go to a game. I understand that that guy may not get the opportunity. He may not see you know, the first power play. He might only get the last 15 seconds of a power play. So um, points are important, but but they're definitely not the all be-all, be-all, right? So it, uh, it it's sort of that happy medium where you want to get opportunities, you want to generate opportunities, but goalies are good. Scores aren't as, you know, when me and you used to play, it used to be 7-5, 8-4. You know, those were some of the nights. Now it's 2-1, 3-2, 4-1. The goals aren't there as, you know, as plentiful.
1: Right. So for that player, I think that's a great, great point you make. Uh, you know, the, the the top of the top are usually in that spot. I mean, we're talking the first rounders. Generally, they're the guys that are now already on the power play. You know, they, they've uh, for whatever reason that they've earned that opportunity, and, and now they're playing. Uh, what about the guys that aren't? They're a rookie in the WHL, let's say. say the, the WHL is an older league now, as is the BCJHL and some of these other leagues around North America. Uh, and you're fighting for spots with guys that have been there two, three, four years. And a lot of times, when the when the culture is right on a team, you just don't step into that role, right? You kind of have to earn that role a little bit. So, what what is the message to players that maybe feel like they want that opportunity, or maybe feel they need that opportunity? They don't have it yet, uh, but they still want to put their best foot forward. Like, how do how do they go about their business?
0: Well, I, I think it's it's a lot to do with attitude. I mean, you look at uh, you know Joe Pavelski for us at 37. Still the first guy on the ice working on deflections and net front opportunities. Um, I think just going about your business, I mean, I think at the end of the day, and we're all the same, we all want to get to that end result tomorrow. It, it, it's a process. It, it's, it's learning. It's listening. It's watching the older players uh, it's doing extra stuff. It's no bad, no different than taking pucks around the wall, uh, defenseman going around the net, snapping that first pass to that the guy on the wall. Those are all little things that add up to big things. And uh, you know, we we're in the world now. Is is we want instant success. We want we want the answer tomorrow. You know, right now, and we can't wait till tomorrow. Uh, we can't wait till next week or next year. We we want to be on the power play tomorrow. Um, I mean, it's just a process. I mean, I think you need to work on your shot. You have to work on net front. You got to work, you know, take extra shots. It's, it's one of those things where I think coaches, they see that stuff. They were, they're not blind to, to guys working on their game and trying to get better. And if, if somebody goes down with an injury, they go, you know what? John has been working real hard at his shot. He's been working extra with, with, with rebounds. I'm going to give him a chance. He, he looks like he may have an opportunity here. So I think it's just one of those things where you have to have patience. You have to have the commitment to continue believing in what you do and, and, and keep working on your trade to, to get better at it.
1: And I think like the, the, the other step of that, which I think players, especially younger players are, are unaware of, I know I was, uh, like not only are those, those habits that you're talking about, make you more successful as a player, uh, they allow, your, they allow the coaching staff and the people that are that are responsible for your ice time to start believing in you, right? To start believing in the process that you're willing to go through to get better. Uh, but they're also the ones that are answering the phone calls from people like you. Uh, I assume you got a guy that you're interested in that's 17 years old, maybe isn't on the power play, you're interested in him, you like what you see in his game. You probably call that guy up and say, hey, what do you see? Like, what, what, what do we got with this guy? And now that coach is able to honestly go to bat for you and say, I like what I see here. I mean, he's professional in his approach. He goes to bat every day. He plays the game the right way. I think he's going to pro- project really well. Like, is that not the truth? Like you do make those phone calls, correct?
0: We, we really do. We really do. I mean, you get the odd coach that pumps up every tire. Everyone, everyone's a great player. Everybody's a good player. And you get, you get, you get to know those guys. You're like, well, I'm not going to call that guy. I know my answer, but, but I would say to you most often than not, they give you an honest truth. They're like, Hey, bad work habits, Uh, you know, practice doesn't go real well, you know, negative or whatever it might be or the opposite be like, you know what? I know he only got eight goals on the season, but this guy works. He comes, he's getting better. His shots improving. Like this guy is on the verge of being a a, a good offensive player at our level. And then maybe onto the, you know, the pro ranks. So, uh, you know, I know a few uh, even trainers. Hey, what's his work ethic like? What what is, what, what do you see? Uh, I is we're just trying to get an insight. I only get a snapshot. I only get sixty minutes of what what he might be. Coaches get him every day. Trainers get him every day. Um, you know, it you're you're trying to build a bit of a, a full rounded picture of these young men because really. They're, they're just young men, right? They're still learning. They're trying to figure out who they are and what they want to be. And, you know, it's it, it's, a, it's a tough setting to grind it out. A lot of these guys are first time away from home. So maybe homesick a little bit, whatever it might be. So we're just, we're trying to pick a little thing from everybody. You know, I'll, I'll talk to the kid. I'll talk to the coach. Maybe I get different answers, you know, and then you're like, okay, what what is the kid not believing in the coaching, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's 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 a process. I mean, it's from, you know, July, August, September, right all the way into May if uh, if they, you know, playoffs and stuff. So mm-hmm.
1: I like how you talk about with the trainer there, because really, you know, you and I both played enough hockey games to know like the, the people who know the players the best are probably the trainers, because uh, even at the pro level, right, you kind of have a little bit of a, you know, when the coach is in the room, let's put it that way. Right. So like to really be your full, true, authentic self in front of the coach, you're probably not giving that to the coach all the time, unless you're real comfortable in the environment you're in, but the trainer, he kind of sees everybody. So, I mean, that's a great, that is a great person to talk to. Uh, cause you start to understand a little bit more about the character, how they treat the, the people that are working with the team, those types of questions I'm sure are important to you. And, um, cause character like that, that makeup of, of that player, I call it kind of the person behind the player, uh, has to become relevant, I think, well, I guess at any round. Um, how, how much do you guys dig in on that with uh, the, the person behind behind the raw ability?
0: Well, I mean, we, we really do. I mean, we, we're, we're uh, you know, a billion dollar, billion dollar industry now. I mean, every we only get seven picks, all very important. Uh, you know, we're the lifeblood of our organization. Now you don't make a good pick, you, you pick a bad person. That that trickles into other areas. Um, so no, we 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 dig into as much of uh, the off ice as we do watching on ice. I mean, it usually it uh, translates. You see an honest guy competes, doesn't give up on plays. Usually are pretty good people off the ice. Um, but but like yeah, like we say, we 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 try to turn over every rock and see what what comes out of it. And uh, you know, it usually. When you get to the point of the Western Hockey League or the BC Junior Hockey League, I, I'm very fortunate. There's usually mostly good people, good players. Uh, I think by that stage, the the the, the guy that doesn't want to play is hard. They get weaned out pretty quickly. Um, so we're we're very fortunate. We're dealing with the best athletes in the world in in the, in, the, in 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 hockey at that age. So it's 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 a fun set system for us right now for me especially when you can be in the ground floor on a young man that nobody in the world knows about but you're like in five six years the whole world's going to be talking about this kid it's very it's a very cool experience that is fun um we talk about skill and you
1: know you and i might even be really good examples of of like trying to project what happens at the pro level you know like we, we already talked about goals and assists uh, how everybody wants them. Uh, there is only really maybe five, six guys in a team that are mean, you know, expected to contribute offense on a nightly basis, you know, and we all know how tough it is to fill that spot uh, in an NHL job. So when you're looking at these drafted players it, at some point, it, is it, like, is it all about a raw ability, like the skill, or are you actually projecting to be like, I think this guy's going to be a solid third-line player for us, and we need third-line players, so we're going to draft a third-line player? Or are you always trying to pick, like, the the, the, the highest skill uh, ceiling
0: in, in, in that's available for you? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not – yeah, exactly. And it's that happy medium, right? There, There's that balancing act. Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody – I mean, obviously you want that top-end skill at the end of the day. But you need those other intangibles. You need those grinding, hardworking six-three, six-four, six feet up and down wingers. Play with pace. Go to nets hard. Crash and bang, bang and rebounds. Those guys are as important at some nights, and maybe in the playoffs, sometimes more important than 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 the other guys, uh, depending on who you're playing. So, uh, I mean, I get. I think at the top end of word of the draft, if we're talking. it's all skill. It's all about getting as much skill as you can, but you start then you get, start getting farther down on the draft. And then now you start weighing, is this skill guy better or has a better chance of playing or of maybe this guy that's going to be a great third line guy. Where, where, where do you, you know, where do you put your eggs in which basket? Um, So there, there is definitely a time in the draft where you go, you know what, this guy's going to be an NHLer. he's not going to be a first line guy. But he's going to be a productive player and help us win. And at the end of the day, we're about winning. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you you take the high end skill early, and then and then you uh, deke and dive, and you try to figure out what you need a little bit and what what uh, you know will translate to being a good pro. Yeah, because that's uh, when I've when I've dug in on the draft before,
1: and and you know how difficult it is to actually make the right selection. Right. I mean, it really is. It's hard to do. If you get two or three guys out of a draft that play 200 games in the nhl like you're doing fantastic as an organization um so w- with that being said i, I think it is interesting because if you do slot if you do find a guy that can play in your third line um i mean that's that's a success that's a huge success right especially in this day and age when uh, when the cap is such an issue you need these entry-level guys to come up and be able to play in whatever role that may be um because it helps that gm figure out how to fit the other pieces in
0: there right a hundred percent, and we we can't all have five five eleven puck moving defensemen. We can't have six of those. It's not it's just you. You can't win. You you need some size. You need some guys that block shots. You need some guys that clear clear the front of the net. Um, so you, you need a little bit of everything. At the end of the day, I mean, you look at uh, you look at a, a team that has has success. They got a little bit of everything. They got high-end skill. They got some size. They got guys that can move pucks. They got guys that can shut down other teams' top lines. It, it, it's a, it, it's it really is a bit of a, a puzzle to put it all together at the end of the day. Where is toughness
1: on your list of intangibles right now? Um, and I ask that just because I think the pendulum has been kind of swinging all over the place uh, with with you know playing heavy, playing hard. Um, how the games played in the regular season versus how the play, games played in the playoffs. Uh, to me, it seems like these players are harder to find. Maybe they're not correct me if I'm wrong, but the guys that, you know, supply a little bit of that fear to the other team, you know, that knows, knows what they're doing. You know, what you're going to get in a playoff game. Uh, they're not going to shy away. Uh, they're going to get the job done for you. Is, is that a harder thing to find these days? And, and if it is, is does it then become more valuable?
0: Well, I would almost say it's almost obsolete, almost almost impossible to find that player nowadays. The, the way the game is played at such a high pace, uh, you know, at, at such a young age, that player used to get a chance. Coaches used to have a little more time with those players, a little more patience. We don't see many of those guys. If that guy has come up, he's probably has some skill too. I mean, you see that straight... Guy that has some fear. I mean, there's a few of them left in the NHL, but there's not many of them left. And I we don't see many of them in, in, at our level anymore. Um, for me, toughness, the word toughness has changed. since. This is my 20th season scouting now. And the word toughness has a different meaning for me from 20 years ago to, to today. Uh, toughness back 20 years ago was mean, uh, chalk, will fight, will, will, like you say, put a little bit of fear into somebody. Uh-huh. Toughness now is, will he go to the net? Will he, will he take a little bit of a pounding, the bang and a rebound? Will he, will he put his, you know, body on the line to block that shot? Um, yeah, the, the word toughness has, has definitely changed uh, for me since I've started scouting and, the, and saying that the, the game of hockey in the last 20 years is, I mean, it's not the same game that I was I was scouting 20 years ago as as I'm scouting today.
1: Right. No, 100 percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And when I say toughness now, too, like I'm I definitely don't even I mean, fighting is fighting is almost obsolete, like you say. Yeah. So, like, I mean, toughness was definitely correlated with, with with somebody who would drop the gloves and fight. But now, like, I think it's harder and harder to find somebody that's even going to consistently finish their checks. Right. Or consistently. I mean, even like I guess the easiest one to, to grab right now in today's day and age would be Tom Wilson. Like, if there's a Tom Wilson in junior, a guy who will hit, a guy who is mean, a guy that will fight if he has to, but can still score, um, I think there's probably 32 teams in the league that want Tom Wilson on their team. Um, but those players are harder to find as well, are they not?
0: Oh, 100%. And like I say, I, they, they might be the hardest guys to find now. To to, to find that player that, that has a bit of, like, when he jumps over the ice, they're like, I need to keep my head up because if i put it down it's going to get knocked off very difficult to find that player for for sure i mean it's uh just because the way they call the game now um yeah it it, if you can find someone you hold on to me like yeah i don't see i don't see washington moving him anytime soon
1: (laughs) right so i guess just uh, i mean you said it without saying it but i mean for these amateur players, if you can add a little bite to your game, right. If that's something that they want to like to be of around themselves out, of, if it's part of their personality and uh, that is something that I'm sure would be drawn, would be drawing scouts attention.
0: Well, hundred percent. I mean, I, I talked to a, an agent yesterday and he, he had a, he had a young man that, 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 that's a big six, two guy. Doesn't play to his size. And he's like, what, what, what can I tell him? And I say, just, just, finish checks, use, use what your attributes are the best. If the other guy is a better skater and he's using his skating ability to, to, to benefit his game and you've, you're six, two, just, you don't have to go out of your way, just continually finish checks. You know, when you go up against a guy that's five ten, win that physical battle, like dig in, like, you know, dig in. Like we, we, we all, we always, where we sit, we we can tell if a guy digs in or if he pretends to dig in. I mean, it it there's you know a guy oh why he really tried hard. No, he didn't really try hard. He, I, I I've seen try hard that that isn't trying hard, right? <laughs> right. So, you know it, it it easier said than done to tell somebody consistently finish your check. That that is a skill in itself. That 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 is you know when you at the end of the night you're like you know that guy paid a price all night. He didn't finish. He didn't miss a check. He kept finishing and finishing and finishing, and I know number fourteen, the little skill guy, got the game winner. But he got he got it on the back of the other guy that finishing finished checks, and he wore those defensemen down. That that's that was the difference in the hockey game. Sometimes you know, the Joe fan goes home and they're like, "Oh boy, that little guy played so well." And or when I say little guy? Whatever hey. the skill guy on that team played so well, and he won the game. Well, as scouts, where we we may have a different. Outcome, we're like, you know what, the, the big guy threw him on him on his back, and he he kind of willed that team to stay in the game and, and wore that team down. So it it, it definitely is a skill. It, it, it isn't easy to just say, hey, keep finishing your check, because it's it's a tough tough thing to do every game in game in game out. But uh, we'll take you, we'll take you. I mean, we we got to the Stanley Cup Finals here a couple years ago on on a lot of those guys, you know, the Blake Comos of the world. Finishing and finishing and finishing. We we wore a lot of teams down till they, they were like, you know what? We give. We're good. So, yeah. Just going to take a
1: short break from our conversation with Dennis uh, to remind you about the Up My Hockey parent group on Facebook. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it be in your car or on a podcast platform or on YouTube – Um, the parent group is available to you on Facebook. Um, assuming you are a parent and this is speaking to parents players. This is not for you. You can follow me on Instagram or YouTube. That is more likely place for you to follow me. But for parents, the Facebook group is an amazing community that you should be a part of. It's over 1500 families, all supportive parents who want the best for their ch- kids and uh, and are helping them navigate this space called hockey. And we get into it all in the group. We talk about successes. We talk about challenges. We share um, we share solutions to problems. I talk about mindset-related skills uh, that your that your players can use to help get them to the next level. Uh, it's an amazing group of people. It's all supportive. It's all collaborative. And um, there is no advertisements, there's no spam, there's no people trying to sell you anything. It's just a group of parents that are uh, finding hockey, an amazing sport to play for their kids to play and develop as people and develop as players. And uh, and I'm there to host it and to support that journey. So yeah, get on Facebook if you if you're not there already, Up My Hockey Parent Group on Facebook. You have to, it's a private group that you need to request to join. And once you're in, you're in. So uh, yeah, get in there today. Facebook. Now back to the interview with Dennis Holland. I love it. I love it. I mean, to bring that full circle back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, as far as a message to younger players, who's maybe not on the power play when they want to be and getting the points, like talk about impacting a game like you want to be when I'm working with my guys, it's like, how do you impact a game? Like, how did you impact it? Because if the only way you're impacting it is by thinking you have to get a goal or an assist, I mean, that's probably not a great metric to go with, right? Like, and finishing the checks and being competitive and, and having that competitive spirit is something that you're going to see and you can impact a game every night that way. Um, I guarantee you.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, we had Anton Roussel on our team. And, it, you know, he was a guy that uh, was – he didn't get many goals. But his work ethic, his his drive to get in on the four check, his drive to block shots, his drive to – I mean, he was a great antagonizer. He was, he was always talking. He was always – he was dragging guys into the battle with him. A great it was a great person and, and teammate for us when he played for the Dallas stars and, and and those guys are valuable those those guys that that play with that energy and because like I said it, it takes a little bit of everybody and everything to win to win hockey games and to win consistently
1: when you're drafting uh, you know 17 18 year old players uh, size is obviously a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal at the Bantam draft, probably a little bit more so because some players haven't gone through puberty yet. And like, you don't know what you're going to get. It's easy to fall in love with the guy who's big and strong. Cause he's already big and strong. Uh, I imagine that's uh, somewhat similar at, at, at the NHL entry draft level, because if you get that big, strong farmer type kid, you know, you, like, you just know what you're going to get yet. Yeah, you might have somebody that's slight that hasn't really filled out yet. Um, do you find yourself trying not to fall in love with the big, strong guy right away, um, or, or how, how do you how do you kind of balance that that projection at that age?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I think you know the, the the game of drafting and hockey has changed so much. Twenty for me, twenty in, in twenty years. I mean, twenty years ago it was like you couldn't get bring him big enough and you know, big enough and you know strong enough. And, you know, you're like draft him; he's a big, strong guy. I mean, the game has changed now, uh, size while it's still prevalent and we all want the biggest, most skilled player. The the 5'11", the 5'8", guy, they, they're all, I mean, some of the best players in the NHL are, 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 are the smallest guys in the league, right? But when you look at teams that win consistently, that are around uh, the Stanley Cup, I mean, you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning we're not talking about a small little team. Like they're 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 they were a big heavy team. The third line was a big heavy line. Hedman's a big big defenseman. So I mean, we're our number one goal is to draft. You know the 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 best player with you know, and if, if that is an attribute has size in it, then that's a home run. Um, you know because at the end of the day if 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 a guy 511 is the same skill set as a guy 65 and they play seven games against each other probably the guy 65 with the same skill set is probably going to win out just because he's just a little bigger and stronger than the 511 guy right so right. um, we we're, we we're, we're, we're trying to balance that i mean we we drafted uh, Logan Stankoven uh, last year not a big in stature but a a huge heart Competitive spirit is off the charts. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're still hoping to get the biggest, strongest guy. But uh, sometimes the, the 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 guy with the, the the little dog with the biggest bark sometimes is the better player. So, right.
1: I want to talk about Logan. I mean, he's a local guy here for, for us. I mean, I I'm in Vernon, and uh, he's playing in Kamloops uh what is what is it like to be a Dallas Stars draft pick so you did draft him last year I think he was a second rounder was that is that yeah. right so second round pick obviously you had eyes on him a lot last year as much as you could um after he's been drafted now what does it look like for a Dallas Stars prospect like are you talking with him Is the GM does anyone talk to him like how does that communication go to, after you get drafted
0: so basically he kind of gets handed off so uh Rich Peverly is our uh, director of I say hockey operation but hockey players. Um, and he now is in charge of, uh, in communication with those guys. Uh, he talks with them. Uh, we have another strength and conditioning guy, uh, JJ, that will also, so they, there's sort of a two headed monster there. We have our strength and conditioning guy and then, uh, Rich Peverly who kind of takes over, um, and acts as their, I don't know, I guess parent, but, but he's sort of the, he's, he's the Dallas stars eyes and ears for those guys. He's on communications with them. I say daily, but but consistently in within the week. Um, you know, JJ is all, all will have sent a a workout thing with them. He'll have talked to the the trainers in whatever team they're playing on. Um, I mean, the game that that we. I mean, when I got drafted. I mean, I I don't even know if I even talked to someone from Detroit for the following year. You know, you know what I mean, You're, you you kind of got left on your own, and there was nobody that kind of picked you up. And you know, this is how you get to need to be a pro, uh, which has totally changed now. Where as soon as he's drafted, our guys grab him and say, you know what, we believe you've got the skill set, the foundation to be an NHLer and be a pro. We're just going to pull everything together and we're going to tighten that up and we're going to explain to you and help you get to the point you want to get to.
1: Yeah, no, that's excellent. I uh, I agree with you. I mean, it's definitely that's been part of maybe the biggest evolution, I think, in, in the NHL is has been that the evolution of how to treat these prospects, right? Um, you know that it's not just a commodity, right? this is something that needs to be grown from within and developed from within and as soon as you get your hands on them, you want your hands on them, you know, because you want to be part of that a part of that process. so that's I think that's great as as far as well, how these guys are getting treated now and and the more communication, I think the better because if you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> right
0: <laughs> you you're right. and I, and I think at the end of the day, there's that you know, five or ten percent of the the player that really you wouldn't even need to talk to or 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 they're so good. They're they they know what they're they're making the NHL no matter if you do anything with them or not. But that other group, boy, there's there's you can you can turn a guy on, you can turn a guy off from getting an opportunity just by by working with them, talking with them, listening to them, trying to figure out what they need, where maybe their headspace is at. Um, you look at some organizations, you go, you know what, they drafted really well, but did they draft really well or have they developed really well? You know, there's that fine line, you know, you, you, the, the, the drafting group, which is me and the Rich Peverly group has to work a bit in unison to be successful. So the Dallas Stars can continue having players each year step in at minimum salary that then you can have a $10 million player on your team and you can have a superstar if you don't have those young kids coming, it, it's the death of your organization because we're, we're, you can't sign those guys as free agents. No, they're, they're, not, they're not around.
1: Right. I was actually just going to ask you that. I think that's a great question um, and a great point. That So you have eyes on these guys from you know, 16, 17, projecting, you're doing all the work. You're in the you're in the meetings and talks on draft day, the kid gets drafted. Now you're on to the next draft class, but you've seen this guy for for so long, right? And you you have an idea of what he can become or what you think he can become, yet you're not involved in the player development aspect. Like, and so there's that hand off there, there's that handshake. Uh, have there been times where I don't know what the right way to put it is, but like where you kind of want to be more involved in the development aspect because you think you maybe can see something or is that is that the phone call maybe you have with Rich and say, hey, maybe try this, you know, or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's definitely I mean, we're 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 a team at the end of the day. I mean, there, there's lots of communication back and forth. Uh, you know, it'll be hey, you know, Rich will phone and will say, hey, you, you were at the game last night. How did, how did Logan play? You know, and then and you go through the process and you're like, okay, well, I talked to him yesterday and this is what he's dealing with or whatever. And and I'll be like, you know what, that he, everything looks great to me. Just he needs to keep the process. He's got to get stronger, you know. So it, it's, it's definitely a bit of a dance. It's a bit of a, at the end of the day, we're all, we're, we're a Dallas star. He's a Dallas star. We're just trying to, to, to get everybody to that next level. So, um, you know, it's, it's not people like, oh, did you draft that guy? our group drafted that guy. It, it's not, it wasn't me. It was me maybe identifying a guy, but then it's, you know, a crossover guy coming over and confirming and somebody else coming in and also confirming and then getting him in the proper spot in our list. It's it's not just me saying, Hey, yeah, let's draft that guy. And they were like, okay, yeah, Dennis likes that guy. It, it, it doesn't happen that like that.
1: Right. Uh, I had a, I had a discussion with Ken, as you know, um, current gm of uh the edmonton oilers and we talked a little bit about uh about that process with with him like he said as a gm he would definitely have eyes lots of eyes on the first round pick for sure and he, he would have a pretty big say in that uh maybe even the second round pick but he said once it gets to like the fifth sixth seventh round um he can't see everybody right so he's relying more on the area scouts that way uh, is that where you kind of dust off the gloves and get ready to go to bat at, at draft day, uh, kind of in those positions where you really want to go to bat for your guy?
0: It really is. That, and that's where we get our money, to be honest with you. That's that's where I get, that's where I er, I earn my salary. Uh, I mean, we all can find the, you know, Connor McDavid's of the world and, and these guys. Um, but but when you watch a good franchise and you're like, that guy was drafted in the fifth round, that guy was drafted in the seventh round, that guy was signed as a free agent that's when you go okay that scout is doing doing something proper he's doing something right he sees something um so yeah that, that's if, if if we hit on a you know one of those guys you you've, you've done your job for that year and like you said if you can find three guys that can play in a draft here you're you're doing a pretty consistent job it's kind of like baseball you know if a guy hits two for four you know hits one for three and he's hitting it every day and he's hitting consistently Boy, you're, you're pretty happy if you, you get some consistency. Right. Speaking of which, I think that's a great lead uh
1: to what has really been the cornerstone of your organization, he wears a C right now and it's Jamie Ben. You talk about a fifth rounder that can change, you know, can change an organization's, you know, outlook. Um, I mean, he's the guy, right? And so he's a Western, he, he comes from the West. I know you've been a Western amateur scout for a long time. Uh, you can draft Jamie Ben in the fifth round who ends up being up for the Hart Trophy uh, you know, where's the C, one of the best power forwards in the game? You know, you can't just say enough about that, picking that spot in the in the, that late. Was that somebody that you had eyes on a lot? And was that somebody that you were going to bat for?
0: I, you know what? It, he was, uh, it, it was an interesting uh, season that year. It was, I was only in my second or third, I think in my second year of scouting. And uh, he played in Victoria. So, you know, you, you don't get as many viewings. And uh, Len Barry was the owner of the team at the time. I played junior against Len. I kind of grew up, played minor hockey against Len. And uh, he came in, in the salmon arm. They came through salmon arm. And I actually stood with Len and he goes, Dennis, this, this Ben guy's a pretty good player. You should keep an eye on him. I'm like, okay, thanks, Len. You know, and away he went. Watched him a couple more times. Skating wasn't great. You could see he had an NHL shot. He had a bomb of a shot, but skating was, was, was weak. Um, and then after Christmas, he kind of took off. Um, he didn't get picked for the, the World Junior A Challenge. Uh, you know, he was he had 40 goals and about 85 points. I think he was in the top, whatever. But again, living playing on the island, wasn't getting viewed. Um, and I kept going, he, boy, he's a good player. Like, I'm not sure why he's not getting any love by anybody. Like, I'm seeing NHL attributes – Skating's got to come, but if it comes, there's going to be something there. And then I got to a point in the season where I said to Les Jackson, who was running our group at the time, and I said, Les, I got to have you come in. Like I'm I'm talking about a later round guy. And Les was usually at that point was worried about the first two rounds, the high-end picks. I said, I'm still early in my, my career here. I think there's something here can you just come out? Can you, if you make a swing, can you, can you go to the Island and and watch this kid for me? Goes through the Island. He goes, he picks up the phone right after the game. He goes, we've got something here. You've got something. This is, this guy looks like a player. And so then I went back again and I, I, I went back like in March and I think I was the only guy in the building or there was two scouts in the building. I'm like, I don't like I I, I like because usually if, if there's somebody of interest and there's a little bit of life, there's scouts in the building, there's head scouts in the building. You're like, okay, there, you know, we better figure something out here. But God had no real interest. And yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those. Uh, the next year he came back, he went to he went to Victoria again. He wanted to play with, with his brother at college. Didn't work out. Brother didn't go in. Uh, Kelowna talked him to going into uh, the Western Hockey League. When he stepped into the Western Hockey League, I went, "Oh my gosh, we got something here!" Like this, his skating is improving. He was fighting a little bit. Like I'm like, there's some intangibles besides some skill here. Like you know, and then it's like, what? Where do you think you're going to fit him? And I'm like, good third line player maybe you know it, you, you're like i'm in my mind i'm going i think we might have something but i'm like i don't want to over you know still early in my career i don't want to start doing too much but uh and he just got better and then he played for team canada and then he went into the american league and, and was, was successful there and i'm like i we're, we're we got it we got a top two line center or two top two line player here Never did I, you know, perceive him to be our captain and sort of the face of our franchise the last few years and, you know, led the league in scoring one year. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, we, it was one of those things that uh, it, 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 it really was, a, a you know, a good thing for our franchise in the fifth round. We, you know, John Klingberg's another guy that we drafted in the f- fifth round, uh, you know. So those are the kind of guys... If you want your team to be successful and have some longevity in winning, you, you need to hit hit a few of those uh, those late round picks. Yeah, I looked uh, I looked up Jamie like so. Yeah, he went from Victoria to Kelowna,
1: um, which is maybe interesting because not many guys do that. Meaning the BCHL to the WHL, uh, and then he ended up being a World Junior guy, and then he went straight to the NHL um, for that season. If I'm reading his Hockey DB right, so he goes spends the entire year with Dallas in 09 uh, 2010. And then he also plays for the Texas Stars in the AHL, but that's only for the playoffs. So I assume that he played the full year with Dallas, right? Makes the team out of camp, which I would assume would be a surprise for a fifth rounder uh, to even do that. And then he lit up the AHL playoffs. Like, I can't even believe his numbers there. Like, 26 points, 24 games, 14 goals. I think second on the team was seven, had 17 points. And he was obviously a 20 year old, uh, you know, rookie there. So um, just smashed it in the AHL. And that's something that a lot of players don't do, right? These higher guys oftentimes don't put up numbers like that yet because they're a first rounder or a second rounder. They still kind of get the get the "oh, well, let's see what you're like in the NHL." But he obviously proved himself that he was he was good enough for the AHL as well. Do you remember that camp at all for him? I know you probably weren't there, but like, was he projected? Do you think to make that team, or did he earn his spot coming in there
0: and and, and winning a job? Well, we had a rookie camp uh, that year in Traverse City, and he came in. And he he lit up rookie the rookie tournament. Him and uh, James Neal played on that same team and they were a two-man wrecking crew. And I mean, I think early, I mean, going into this season, it was like, well, he's gonna have a good year, American Hockey League, you know, get his feet under him. And he was he was a man amongst boys in that tournament. And they're like, Well, you know, we'll maybe we'll give him a few games, we'll give him some exhibition. And he was just he was he was dialed in right from from day one of, of, of rookie tournament. And it was one of those where you're not sending me down. I don't know what, what you're thinking is, but you're, you're not sending me down. I'm, 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 you're not going to do it. And he, like I say, he, he, he earned his spot. He wasn't given a spot. And it was one of those, uh, yeah. Because uh, I think what really happened, to be honest with you, high-end baseball player, never, never trained in the summer, was playing baseball. And all of a sudden at about 17, gave up baseball and – I say gain some muscle, but yeah, he grew into his body. And, and, and it was just like, Oh, here we go. And, uh, I think he, and then all of a sudden, as you know, you get a little stronger, the confidence, your, your whole mindset goes, you know what? I'm going to take it to the net. I'm just going to drop a shoulder. I'm just going to take, I'm a big, strong guy. I'm going to take it to the net. Mm -hmm. And then that's what he did. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, his, his, he, he just went like that once, once he started working out, and uh and, and decided he wanted to be a full-time hockey player. He uh yeah, he took he took games over. So when you saw him then at 17, he wasn't he wasn't the six foot
1: two, two fifteen guy he is right now then. Like do you remember what he what he was from a stature standpoint at that
0: at that age? I think he probably was. If I mean look back, he was maybe six to hundred and seventy-five, eight, seventy-eight, I me. Mean, I don't even know if he was 180 pounds. Right. Um yeah, he 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 wasn't now but he was mean. Like he, he fought, he, he fought a couple nights in when I was in there, he, he stood, stood up for some older guys on his team. I was like, wow. Okay. This, this guy, this guy isn't scared. You put a little muscle on him. He's going to, he's going to be a bit of a, uh, you know, handful for, for, for guys. Nice. Um, I mean, I think he was probably, he might've been pound for pound the, the toughest guy in the Western hockey league is last year. Nobody wanted to fight him. Oh, that's crazy. That's cool. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's, and those are the kind of guys we were talking about earlier, right? And maybe like from, from a real power standpoint, power forward standpoint, like a Jerome McGinley, a Jamie Ben, you know, like those guys that they're not fighting, but they're tough. And when they need to fight, they can, they're going to bring your team into the, into the fight every night, right? Like they're just leading that way. Uh, and Jamie Ben is one of those guys. I think, you I mean, he's a power forward of, of his generation, really. You know, he, he's, he's been that for you guys and he's, he's been a fun player to watch. Um, with regards to the leagues now, and I, I get this question a lot from parents, and, you know, it, it's it's generally like the, the, the players that know that they want to go and get their education, like they know 100% they're going BCHL. And the ones that, not that they think uh, education is secondary, because the WHL and the CHL in general is a good uh, education, great education package. But sometimes you get the guys that are more pro-oriented. They want to get there a little bit quicker, I think, that they go to the WHL. Is it hard to project, like, how do you project, you see somebody, a 17-year-old in the BCHL, and you see a 17-year-old in the WHL. Are you expecting that player to have more impact in the BCHL than they are in the WHL, or how do those leagues compare to you?
0: Well, I would say to you, if, if we're talking straight draft, I, if you're playing as a 17-year-old in the in the BC Junior Hockey League, that guy better be a good hockey player. He may be better play on the power play. He may, or, or be, you know, you know, first penalty kill. He has to have impact because the, 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 I mean, it's like going from the NHL to the American league. I mean, it's, it's there, there definitely is a bit of a jump between size and strength of of the Western hockey league to the BC junior hockey league. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we're, I will give the, the guy that plays in the Western hockey league, a little more rope just because he, he might not get the opportunity to play as much as the guy in the BC junior hockey league. Now, at the end of the day, I am just trying to evaluate no matter the, the player in general, no matter if he's playing Minnesota high school, BC junior hockey league, Western League, I'm just trying to project him out five years. Can he play in the NHL? Um, you know, so Am I am I am I am I scouting differently? Yes, in the sense you you need to do more in the BC Junior Hockey League, but in the sense of I'm just looking at where he is, where he can get to, what his limitations are, what's his you know upside, what is his ceiling. That that doesn't change.
1: Right. Yeah, because I would I mean. I would assume, you know, I mean, if Jamie Ben had forty-two goals in the WHL, his draft year, in fifty-three games, he probably wouldn't have been a, first, a fifth round pick, right? I mean, just to, to to use that kind of just metric, right? Like the, the they 100%. aren't they aren't the same animal. Um, is when it comes to draft day, and this is just me being curious. Now, say you got a USHL player or a BCJHL player, do those teams do those leagues kind of? cancel each other out as far as what, uh, like if you're looking at what a goal means in the BCJ to what a goal means in the USHL, or are they, are they pretty much equal currency?
0: I would say to you probably a little bit tougher to score in the USHL. Um, I mean, I, I think those, if you look at those uh, scores, they are usually a, a little bit lower, a little bit tougher to score at, at that level than than the BC Junior Hockey League. I mean, I, I would say to you, you know, we talk, the, the USHL is a little more college uh, sort of tempo. They play more up-tempo. They play with more pace. It's more dumping, uh, running around, getting in there on the four-check. Uh, BC Junior Hockey League's a little more of a pro-type game, a little more of a puck-possession-type game. Uh, both great levels, great opportunities to get better. Uh, it's a great level. Both are great levels for a younger guy to get some ice time because it's, sometimes it's tough to get ice time at, at the Western Hockey League level. You know, at the end of the day, you want, you want to play. If, if you're sitting up in the stands and not playing and the other guy's playing in the BC Junior Hockey League and he's playing, you know, 22 minutes a night and getting power play and getting this and getting opportunities and getting and learning, which guy is probably getting better? You know, the guy that's getting ice time. So at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is getting ice time and, and, and getting an opportunity to improve and, and show, uh, show what you can do. That's a great point. I wasn't
1: going to ask that question, but it just came to mind because that's another thing parents ask a lot of the times. Like, is is it better to be, let's say at 16, uh, maybe the Portland Winterhawks want, want your kid to be there. Um, Maybe won't be on the power play, probably won't be, you know, limited minutes, but he's in that environment, that WHL environment. And he's, you know, surrounded by these big strong players and he's starting to get his feet wet and maybe be ready more, maybe potentially more ready for his draft year or should that player Play the midget, or play BCHL, where he's going to have a more prominent role. Like, if you were the parent of that child, like, where is there one way that you would you would suggest more often than other?
0: Uh, if if it was me, it would all be on men, uh, on the mental state of of that player. I think how the maturity of that player can that guy go to Portland and sit in the stands and not play on the power play and keep his focus and keep the intensity and that desire to play is he better off to play midget at home and play? Uh, I I think it it really has to do with the maturity of the player more so than maybe the physical attributes. Um, How, how mentally, because that's a tough, that's a tough year for a lot of players is that 16 year, year old year. You're not getting drafted yet. You're old enough to play junior, but you're still young. So you're not getting a whole bunch of ice time. You know, that that's a real difficult age uh, for for those players, I think, as much mentally as it is physically, um, because you, like you say, you kind of get lost that year where, where what you should do. But I, I really think it, it's more it comes down to the the maturity of that of, you, of your of your player that you're that you're worried about.
1: Take another short break from my discussion with Dennis to promote my Peak Potential Hockey Project. Uh, lots of the things we're hearing today from Dennis, um, the strength and weakness builder, uh, the mental agility, the, uh, the intangibles required to make it to the next step. It's amazing how frequently these topics come up in these conversations, Sometimes I guide them there and sometimes the personality that I'm speaking to takes us there on their own. And that's why I've created the Peak Potential Hockey Project. It's to really focus in on some of these areas where players can direct their attention, work on their self-awareness, and become better athletes. There's nothing like it out there on the market. It is a mindset course for hockey players um, that has got nothing but rave reviews from the people who have taken it. And now there is a plenty of people who have taken this course. Teams have taken this course from the B- BCHL levels all the way down to the uh, 2009 level. Uh, individual players have taken this course from the ages of nine all the way up to 19. Uh, and everybody is having phenomenal success and phenomenal takeaways with this course uh, I'm really proud of it I'm really excited about it it rotates through every five weeks it includes coaching calls with me is why it's five weeks um, because there's one week where I just take a break and uh, and I promote the next course so we're rolling through five week cycles there's always time to register for the next course and in the four weeks, you are gonna get some really good stuff. We talk about mental agility, we talk about 10X in your development, we talk about um, extreme ownership, we also talk about growth mindset for hockey players, which is what I call becoming bulletproof. So these four weeks all create, are about different mindset topics, all of which were immensely valuable to hockey players, all of which are immensely valuable to you away from the rink as well to help you be successful in whatever it is you want to do. So that's my blurb for the Peak Potential Hockey Project. Uh, you can sign up for it on my website, www.upmyhockey.com under services, I believe. Uh, you can get the guided course with me Oh, or you can do the self-paced course and do it on your own. Uh, whichever one you prefer, they're both there. They're both ready to go. I highly recommend you take it if you are serious at all about your hockey and want to take your game and your development to the next level. Rock and roll with the Peak Potential Hockey Project. Now back to my episode with Dennis Holland. Right. Some people really, really are proponents of, you know, the puck touches and you want the comp- like confidence associated with results, right? Like you, I, want, I want my guy to have 40, 50 goals. And then, you know, I don't think there is one recipe for any player. I mean, a, a Jerome McGinley came to mind who I spoke to on, on the podcast here and it was uh, a peer of mine that I played against with in the WHL. His 16-year-old year, he was a healthy scratch numerous times. Numerous times, right? He played 40-some games for that Camelos Blazer team. Here's a future Hall of Famer, right? And, uh, you know, he said it was a tough year for him for sure, but it was also a year that he wouldn't have changed because – he understood the system better. You know what I mean? he was around these NHL, these future NHL guys. And he found, figured out what it took to win. Um, so yeah, he wasn't playing on the power play and yeah, he was a healthy scratching in the stands, but for him it worked. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that would work for everyone, but it's just an interesting example because everyone wants something. Like you said yesterday, you know, and a lot of these players, you know, they want to be on the power play now. <clears throat> and you have a guy like Jerome McKinley who can't get in the lineup in the WHL. Uh, that kind of says something. And uh I'm kind of the proponent of saying, you know what, if you can be at the dance, go to the dance.
0: I, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of times players play below their level because they want that success. And a lot of times that just breeds bad habits. It breeds, you know, lack of energy, you know, lack of pace, lack of energy, lack of desire because it, it, it's easy. It's just too easy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Play at the play at the best level you can play, but but again you have to balance that with the maturity of, of of that player that that it doesn't be a detriment to their desire and their energy and their work ethic and and their focus what what they what they're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, I want to touch on your career, uh, Dennis, because. I mean, you're a hell hell of a goal scorer. And, and I don't know if those listening, you know, we, we move on in our lives and we do different things. And then, uh, you know, people don't really know where we came from. Uh, you had 82 goals, I think. I don't have it in front of me right now. In, in the WHL, you were a 100-point player as a 16-year-old in the BC Junior League. Um, like you said, a third-round draft pick. I mean, that's a lot of points. And you and Troy Mick, another guy that played in, uh, played here locally, uh, obviously had some chemistry. Um what what about your your junior um, what about your junior career do you remember most fondly and uh, and that eighty two goal goal season that must have been I would assume that's high up there in the list
0: it, it is I mean I, I think probably the, the 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 thing I look back most fondly about playing junior hockey was was actually playing with my best friend Troy Mick we 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 knew each other at four years old uh, went to school he lived two blocks from where, where I where I grew up and uh you know at 16 he went off to merit to play and we regrouped together again back in in portland at, that, at the end of that year but up to you know we played adams together and peewee together and bantam together and then you know midget a little bit back and forth because we were playing on different uh different he, he had gone to play in merit um but yeah playing with my best friend probably at the end of the day was was the most cool thing and and the best memories i had and then we played on the same line. I mean, when I had success, he had success. So it, we we, always, we had good days together. We had our bad days together. So um, it was it was a funny year, my 82-year-old goal. they actually had a, a bad start to the season. I think I was kind of one of the guys coming in. You're like, you know, you, you might lead the league in scoring and, you know, expectations. You're like, oh, okay, I got to get going. And I think I put maybe a little bit too much pressure early and uh, kind of had a bad, like, say, the first 10 games. I don't even know how many goals I had. But early in the year, I scored seven goals against Kamloops. My mom and dad had come into the game uh, from Vernon, um, and everything just clicked. Uh, Troy had seven assists that night on, on all my goals. Uh, it was just – and it was from there on, uh, everything it, I seemed to shoot that year seemed to trickle through a, a leg, he would banked off something and into the net. Uh, It it was, it was a magical run for me, uh, a magical run for our team. We went to uh, the league final, lost out to an amazing uh, swift current team. Um, But it was, it was a great 19 year old year. Um, It was, it was a great finish to my, my junior career for sure. Like I said, it, uh, it, it feels like yesterday Um, I, I say, I got such great friends still that, that, played with me and, and, and me and troy on that team uh i mean i as you know you you the, the bonds you make in dressing rooms and you go to war with guys it uh, you, you 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 don't lose that friendship it seem you seem you see them 5 years later and you you pick up like you hadn't seen them uh you know t- 10 minutes ago no i love that yeah no for sure so 167 points.
1: Uh, I think you led the league by, in uh, goals, by 12, if my memory serving correctly, and and you were ahead of like obviously some big names that went on to long careers. One of which was Stu Barnes, who was only a year younger than you. Um, I never led the WHL in in uh, in scoring, but obviously I, I was fairly successful there myself. And there was some guys that maybe weren't as successful as me that went on for, to longer NHL careers. As as you know, you, you can you can stake the same claim. What about if you could if you could rewind, or what do you think was was the thing that stopped you from having an impact in in the NHL?
0: I mean, I, I think and I say that year I remember uh, Mike Modano played in PA that year. He broke his. We were we were we were going back and forth, back and forth that year. He broke his wrist in the the All Star game in Brandon, and, and at that point, it was a, a, a free walk for me to to win that league uh, scoring, but. I think for me you look back um, my skating was only average we played I mean we played in the same Civic Arena ring rink wasn't big Uh, my mind was so good I could sense I could feel where pucks and plays were going who was gonna be open I didn't have to skate if I look back now I would have been i would have worked on my skating more i think at the end of the day for me it was my skating that held me back it wasn't wasn't my skill set it wasn't my desire Opportunities at the pro level that i'd done at junior in minor hockey and at that point it was i hate to say a little bit too late you know but that era was now more clutch and grab hook and hold like you got a one goal lead in the third period you weren't losing it because nobody was letting go of of, 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 you know your stick around your waist right so uh you know I I would if I look back my skating was what held me back but I didn't have to skate I I was good enough and I, I needed somebody to say hey you're good now but if you want to be good at the next level we need to do this we got to work on on your on your weakness and like I mean, you work with young guys. Everybody wants to work on their best trait, right? Let Let's work on toe drags, coach. You know, it's not like let's work on my backwards skating or let's work on my crossovers. That's no fun because I'm not good at it, right? And that's and that's you know that's how you get better is by working on your your weakest skill. And that's a skill in itself. Going, you know what? I know I need to work on that, and that's what I'm going to work on, even though I want to do something else.
1: That's great advice. I mean, it's funny. I got a. I got a course I call the Peak Potential Project, and in week two, I, I talk about development and 10x in your development. It's a, and it's a little program I call your Strength and Weakness Builder because I say, as an NHLer, I mean, or even a pro athlete or a junior athlete, you really need to be good at something. Like you do, you need to have a strength, right? Something that you bring to the table every night that makes your team better, and that's going to be whatever you're best at. But there's going to be something that maybe will stop you from getting to that next level, right? And there's that weakness. So if we're not working on both. I say, like in some deliberate way, uh, you're selling yourself short. So I love that you, I love that you talk about that because yeah, we usually want to do something that we're good at. Cause it's fun. It's easy. Uh, the thing that that's hard for us is usually the, the stuff that people don't want to lean into. Uh, and if you can be professional in your approach uh, with that stuff as a young player, and you're not even a young player, even as pro players, right? Like guys, stop working on that stuff. If you can keep, continue to work on that. You're going to have a, you're going to have more opportunity and have a longer career. So I'm glad, to, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I want to talk about chemistry a little bit too because i think it corresponds obviously with you and troy because you guys were both super successful together uh i've seen it i have felt it right uh personally the cedines is another massive example of that like those two guys were better together than they would have been separately for sure right um what do you how do you handle that, or is there ever a scenario where you're like, geez, I saw this guy together with this person, and and something that comes to my mind, I know I'm all over the place here, but was Mark Dale and Frank Bannum, and I'm sure you would have scouted them potentially, or maybe that was before you. Um, they were awesome in junior together. Frankie actually had a little bit of a cup of coffee in the NHL and did a good job there too with Anaheim, scored some goals there. Mark Dale was a third-round pick, I think, uh, last guy to get over 160 points, I think, in the WHL they were this dynamic together, but I, no one, like they kind of both had sort of struggling pro careers. I always thought like, why wouldn't a team just like bring one of them in and just see, you know, if you could rekindle that because, um, because some guys are just better with other players, you know, is, is that something that, uh, that you think about as a scout or, or, or is it just something you just knew that you had as a player?
0: Well, I think at the end of the day, you just kind of knew it as a player, you just, you, 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 you play better with, with certain players. People because they're, they're, whatever their skill set or what their whatever their the way, where they read the game wherever however they see the game is the same as you. So you're like, if I'm a left winger right now, this is where I would be. And you're like, that's where Troy was because I that's where I thought I would be, right? It, so I didn't have to look. I just passed a puck. So I, you know, you save that half split second. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, when you see guys have success with other guys, I think it's because they read, see the play the same way they, that they, 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 you know, they, they go through that, that, that process at almost identical moments in different parts of the ice. Um, But I agree with you. And you know what, I think one of the reasons that, teams don't, so, oh, you know, those two guys had success together in the Western League or in in the American Hockey League is because a lot of times you kind of get lost because if they were good in junior together, now they go to pro. Well, I saw them good in junior. The pro guys didn't see them in junior. They don't even remember. They don't know that. Right. Right. So it's one of those, unless, you know, an amateur guy looks up and goes, hey, why are these two guys not having success And the light bulb goes on and say, hey, why don't we give this an opportunity? It's probably not going to happen. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, we're so busy working on this draft and kids of the underage to keep an eye on the American League and stuff is almost impossible. So I think a lot of times, like you said, you're probably right. I'm not sure why that, though, when you get two guys that are working so well Let's put them together in the American League. Let's see what they can do. And if it works in the American League, why don't we put them in the NHL together? You know. Right. So I think it's one of those sometimes maybe gets lost in the cracks of amateur to pro.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, interesting. A little bit of insider trading there. So maybe there is a little secret sauce maybe, there. Maybe. Um, all right. I told you we'd keep you for for only an hour. I I, I have a I have a parent group that I always like if I'm going to interview somebody. I say hey, do you have any questions for this for this person? You know, is there something of interest? And um, and so I'll ask a couple of questions from them if you don't mind, Dennis, just to close yeah. um, because there's some good questions here. And we haven't talked uh, about one of the topics, which is goaltenders. Um, I have a goalie son now too. And I know it's like a, it's a whole different world. Like I played goalie once I retired from, from pro hockey because I thought that'd be a fun thing to kind of pick up. And I I just realized that, wow, like you're playing the same game, but it's a completely different sport. You know, like it's, it's massively different position and it's obviously a different position to scout too. So Emma Taylor from my group asked, what do you look for in a goalie? Uh, not only on the ice, but off the ice.
0: Well, I, I think one of the most important things is is confidence. That 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 I say swagger, but but that 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 goalie that plays at the top of the paint that you know is, looks like they're in charge. It looks like they're sort of the the the, the captain of the the D zone. Um, I think it's really important to have a feeling that they're relaxed. But they're but they're engaged. I mean, you see lots of goalies that are frantic and flailing, and every shot seems to be a you know a circus. And it's you know then the, the rebound comes out, and then, you know and then but they may make that save also. And they're you know at the end they're like oh my gosh, you played so well, you played so well. Well, a lot of the reasons they had to play so well because of part of their you know process of not controlling rebounds and stuff. So really look for a, a goalie that is under control that. Sometimes less is more is plays a calm game gets to places quickly because they're reading and reacting to that play, not overplaying pucks. Um, But yeah, I also had a goalie son. I mean, I went from scoring a bazillion goals to a guy that now wants to stop, but uh, boy, that's a stressful position as, as a, as a goalie parent. I never, I don't think I was ever as stressed as I was playing in ten years professional as I was watching him play. But yeah, I mean it. Uh, I would say calm, cool, composed, in charge. Those maybe those words would be would would come to mind. Awesome.
1: Um, I'm going to have two follow follow-ups on that. One is size, uh, the size of the goalie position, uh, in direct opposite of what the player sizes. I mean, player sizes seem to be coming down and goalies seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I actually had one conversation with one scout, um, who I guess I won't say, because maybe it's insider trading, but they said that they actually will not scout a goalie that is under six, two, like literally, won't, aren't allowed to look at them. Uh, to me, that's like, oh, it kind of rips my heart out because, I mean, the, the athletics, you know, six-foot goalie I think should have a chance. But is is, is that like the direction of the, of the position? Do you really put a big emphasis on size with that position now?
0: And I mean, I'm going to say we are, one of our goalies is You know, he's 5'11", you know, played in Saskatoon, highly athletic, highly competitive, you know. So, I mean, those guys play – I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the guys shoot the puck so well. If, if you're not covering corners and you're showing net they're scoring I mean we don't have a size requirement but 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 definitely you you mean the five the, 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 the you know my brother played at 58 the the the, the, the 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 age of, 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 of small goalies is, is come and gone um, I mean I, I think you look at some there is still some really good goalies in that you know Carter Hart's an excellent goalie there's there's some really good goalies in that six feet, six, one range um, that, again, I talk about having great hockey sense, getting to spots quick, um, not over committing, um, but, but you, you better be at a high level at, in all those categories. If you're going to, want to play in the NHL, I mean, there are lots of good young goalies that play junior that are aren't six, five. Uh, but if you're going to play in the NHL, the best, best league in the world, it's going to be going to be tough to be 5'11 to play. Right. Um, with regards to the easy, calm, cool, and collective,
1: and my other follow-up question with the goalies, uh, there, there's some competitive spirit, obviously, that you need to have as a goalie. You have to have some fire. Um, and everyone is wired a little bit differently. Uh, do you mind when a goalie lets in something and he smashes a stick off the post, maybe skates in the corner, comes back, and resets? Or would you rather see just, like composure the whole time like is, is there is there an air uh that you that you want to see or, or do you allow a little bit of room for some of these fiery more fiery personalities
0: well the, to be honest with you i i like watching after a bad goal is scored or and it may be a bad goal maybe maybe it's just a a goal off that his own defenseman and goes in and it's maybe not a bad goal it's a fluky goal I like watching the next four or five minutes. How, how does that goalie react? Does he make a big save? Does he does he look flustered now? Does he go behind the net and make a really good played outlet play behind the net to his to his D man? Like, how quickly does he move past that? So, yeah, sometimes I'm okay if a guy if, if a guy gets a little fiery, and the next five minutes it's like you know what he's but he's he this guy is saying you know what. That isn't going to happen again. So I'm okay with a little bit of fire because I think at the end of the day, everybody's their own person. You know, Carey Price is Carey Price, who is you know isn't Luongo, who wasn't you know you know Patrick Wah. You love him on your team, a fiery competitor, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I I can't say oh if if a goalie shows emotion, I cross him off my list. No, right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like in that in that moment afterwards, there's going to be something. I mean, some guys skate to the corner, some guys spray water in their face. I mean, everyone has a different thing there. Someone might slam their post, but it's like what happens after that, exactly. right? Because is that a reset mechanism for the goalie? Does he come back out and, and, and still show – Show composure in the net and make the big save for the team, or is he lost? Right, and I think that's where sometimes these fiery guys, if, if they if they can't recover from that, then uh, they're in the wrong position. So I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think that uh, there is room for some personalities, uh, but you got to make sure you're ready to stop the next puck. I guess that's the most important thing.
0: Very much, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, awesome. So we'll let we'll go with one more here, um, which is kind of an interesting one where, where I'm at. We covered it a little bit, but I'm just going to give Scott Zulia, Zuli Zuli. that's a nice nice Ukrainian name right there. I think I know I made that one wrong, but he says, what is more important when factoring talent, raw ability or mentality and attitude towards the game and the team? Of course, a mix of both is key, I'm sure, but I always wonder if the scouts just take snapshots of raw ability and then dig into the person after.
0: Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that raw talent, it grabs you, right? I think at the end of the day, um, but I think we try to get to like, it's not like we go to one hockey game and all we're like, Oh, I'm, we're going to take that guy. We go back and back and back again. Um, so a lot of times the raw talent guy grabs you, but sometimes it's the other guy you're like, you know what? This guy just keeps making great play after great play, you know, Bergeron makes, keeps making great plays. He's maybe doesn't have the high end size and a talent, but, he, he keeps making good plays, so I mean, I think raw talent grabs you initially. I mean, it's like anything, right? It, you you see that high end skill, you're like, oh, now does he have the that inner drive to get to the front of the net, or is he out on the perimeter the whole time and just looking for waiting for the power play? Right. So it's it's that process. Okay, has the talent? Does he have the other tools to be successful? You know, yes or no, and then the other point is like you say: is the guy that has has those intangibles? Does he have impact? Does is is that stuff? You know, bring bring his skill even higher.
1: Right. My last question is, and it might not be the perfect question for you, um, just because I know you're not involved in the Bannum draft. You're an NHL amateur scout but there's a lot of discussion amongst parent groups about where to put your kid to get the best opportunity right and the bantam draft is the first big thing where where a lot of families feel that they got to shell out the $30,000 to go to academies so they can get more looks so they can get the higher draft pick or get recognized um, one like do you do you see any correlation between where these younger players are coming from and the type of player that they turn into? Like, is there a program or a league where you're like, Oh yeah. I mean, I would send my kid this way because we get all of our best players are from this area or, or parents making it too big of a deal early on. And, and do you think, you know, just play, play where, whatever level is local to you and, you know, and, and, and the, uh, the cream will rise to the top. Like, how, how do you think that all works out?
0: yeah I mean I, 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 I'm, I'm like I say'm I'm, I'm probably not the person to ask um, like I say I, I don't have that impact on, on watching those kids on a on a daily basis I mean I, 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 had a, I actually had a conversation with a parent the other night in an Alberta Junior Hockey League game about about that that same that that same question and I, I, I for for personally for me I would like to see kids play where they're from be a little more, you know, play more sports, be a little more developing an all around player. Um, but it's very difficult to do that when the other person is on the ice five days a week with, you know, coaching that is paid for that, you know, going to all the high end tournaments that all the scouts are at very difficult for me to say, Hey, don't send your kid to that opportunity. Um, You know, you know, I, Minnesota high school. I like that system in the sense that they play hockey in hockey season, they play football in football season, they play baseball in baseball season. Uh, you know, they 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 have a little better, you know, well-rounded group than maybe. And sometimes, like I say, it's. It, I mean, this is a discussion for another day. I could stand here and sit here for an hour and talk to you about are are we are we do we have too much wear and tear on our players? Like five days a week, every academy, every tournament. You know, Sweden, they do more training. They don't play as many games. They don't get as many concussions probably because they're not putting themselves into that opportunity, right? So right. it'd it, 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 it definitely be a, 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 an interesting roundtable discussion on what exactly is the best fit. And at the end of the day, every player is different, right? So every fit's different.
1: Right. Yeah, and for you, what you're, what you're doing, I mean, you're supposed to find the best players, right? So that's the BCHL or that's the AJ or that's the WHL. I mean, that's you're going to go there and you're going to find them. And I guess that, uh, you know, my message is, is kind of that. I mean, I don't think you have to chase. Uh, it's hard to not want to keep up with the Joneses, you exactly. know, um, like you said. But I, there's a path for everyone, and it gets proven over and over again. Um, you know, the Jamie Benz of the world, the you know, Kevin Sawyer comes to mind. There's so many stories yeah. where, like, you know uh, – who's that uh player now in edmonton that used to be a spokane chief was with the flames uh oh my gosh didn't get drafted he went over he was a he was a podcast guest of mine oh ryan um oh, yes
0: Derek ryan Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. ryan right i mean what a story that is you know to to be overseas and playing in belarus or some third thing there and now he's an nhl regular at 30 like there's so many paths to get there and i think when you know, these families are thinking about it seven, eight years old and they want to play in the brick tournament and they want to do this and they want to do that. It's like, a, you know, Dennis Holland doesn't know if your kid played in the brick tournament at 17. It does, that doesn't matter to him at all. So uh, I wouldn't worry about that. But anyways, I'll, we'll cut it off here. I really, really appreciate your time, Dennis. Uh, unbelievable knowledge. Uh, a, a lot of insight there for, for parents and players out there. And, um you know, I really appreciate uh your job and what it is you're doing that's a grind sometimes i know going on the road and watching all these games and and doing what you're doing but there's uh there's kids that that are chasing dreams and uh and you get to be a part of that so i know that's a pretty special thing too
0: it really is and like i said i hope hopefully something connects with somebody or whatever and maybe maybe a little bit of knowledge for for a young guy uh moving up the ranks, but, uh, no, I, it's been, it's been fun. I love talking hockey. I could talk hockey every day. So
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we'll cut her off. Thanks again for joining us. And, uh, maybe we'll, we'll do it again one day here. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for sticking with us till the end. Faithful up my hockey listener, really appreciate your attention today. And I know you enjoyed the conversation with Dennis. Uh, We covered so many great things. I love the takeaways about Jamie Benn. Like that Jamie Benn story and how they found him and there's nobody in the rink watching him. And Dennis is a young scout and he's not sure uh, if he should be hiring this guy or not. And um, lo and behold, a fifth round draft pick ends up becoming the NHL scoring leader in a season. Ends up wearing the C. And is the face of the franchise for years to come. Um, those success stories are great. They happen more frequently than we, we like to admit. Um, and one of the things that boils down for me from that entire story is the fact that Jamie Benn needed to be on his game when that head scout came through and watched him on the island. Jamie Benn did not know the head scout was in the, was in the audience. Uh, and he ended up playing the game the right way and got noticed and verified what Dennis had seen, which kept him on the radar. To all you young hockey players out there, consistency is a massive, massive attribute. We can't score a hat trick every game, and sometimes we think that we, we didn't get points, we're not on our game. You need to impact games every time you're involved in them because you never know who's in the crowd. And just because you got a hat trick last game doesn't mean that the scout was there to see it, or doesn't even know that you might have got it. You need to perform every night, and you need impact games uh, every time you step on the ice. Consistency is a big deal. And if he didn't come to play Jamie Benn there when he was a 17-year-old, and and not many people were knowing who his name was, he might not have got drafted by the Dallas Stars, and maybe he never got wouldn't have got to the Kelowna Rockets and wouldn't have got the World Junior Invite and wouldn't have done all these things that allowed him to become the player that he was. So, testament to Jamie. Play hard. Play hard every night. Learn from Jamie. And uh, that was one of my favorite stories from uh, from the interview with
0: Dennis. So, uh, until next time, play hard and keep your head up.